Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Special thanks to the Town of Vale for their support of the Vale Dance Festival and Conversations on Dance live podcast recordings. This episode was recorded live at the Manor Vale Lodge. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. My name is Michael Sean Breeden. I am one of the hosts of the podcast, Conversations on Dance. Uh, my co-host, Rebecca King-Ferraro, uh, is on maternity leave, so I'm joined again today by Patricia Delgado, who is a former Miami City Ballet principal and now stages ballets and teaches all over and is my good friend, and I'm so happy to, that you're back. Thank you, Michael. I'm Conversation on Dance is well, biggest you've fan. Been on more episodes than yeah, anyone. but I am and the now, biggest fan, so I'm role. just honored Feels to natural. be here. <laughs> and we are so excited to be joined by Jody Melnick, who made a cameo appearance on a podcast earlier this week, and it was, it was a perfect little preview of what I think we're going to get today. Um, so, Jody, why don't we just go ahead and start back at the beginning and hear a little bit about how you first became uh, interested and involved in the arts, and then more specifically, when that became about dance. Okay, um, I was a, I was always someone who moved, flipped, cartwheeled, climbed, and my, I was uh, taken to like a, a public school gymnastics program when I was very young, and that sort of elided itself into being years of gymnastic training, and I was a kind of a serious competitive gymnast, and when I got into high school and junior high school, we started having to take tap and jazz for dance, you know, dance classes for gymnastics. And I realized as I got to my senior year that I was more interested in dance. So I went to a program where I had um, a little bit of a ballet class, mostly jazz and some basic modern dance that I didn't really understand. 
And I thought, oh, I'm going to be, I want to be a jazz dancer. I want to go to Broadway. I want to be a tap. I want to do Fosse. Mm -hmm. And my dad really believed in education. He said, I really just want you to go to school for at least two years and we'll find an art school. And then, of course, be dancer, do what you want. But let's try to find you a situation where you can do both. And um, I got into Purchase, which is where I'm at, where some, a lot of dancers have gone to that I know now and work with still. And I had my first real modern dance class, an improvisation, improvisational class. I had Lamone Technique, Graham, Cunningham, um, improvisational forms, um, choreog- choreographic forms, and I my mind just kind of blew up. It was like a a, a uh, re-falling in love with movement every time I went into this dance building. Mm-hmm. And I was with a great class that was very experimental. It was in the early 80s, and it was very exciting and very experimental. And we would do things like, you know, take a ballet class, take a modern class, and then conduct an improvisation on the roof of the library. Or like, just that was the culture, I, the dance mm. culture I grew up, that you were always in the studio. You all you were always taught how to work by yourself, spend time in the studio. Um, and then I just, I, that really brought me into this love of modern dance. And after that, I joined a company, Nina Wiener Dance Company, and then left and started freelancing and just was a sponge in New York City. I mean, the opportunities and the information was overwhelmingly endless. Um, And the way people were working was something I really connected to. And it was a very, even though I was living on the Upper West Side, my whole life was below 14th Street Mm -hmm. until I got, like, picked out and got into Twyla's company. And then... There's so much in here. Let's yeah. let's yeah. go back out of it. Um, I think uh, you know we were we were curious. We were ta- Patricia and I were talking earlier about your gymnastics background. Like, mm-hmm. how, does that ever does that still inform the work you do, or like how you move? Like, how how influential was that? Does in- it inform? I everything is my, everything I still have since I'm a kid. I still have in my body. I could. I could rethink about like washing machine material I made with Sarah Rudner in a studio in 1992. Like I can't notate it, but my body will remember a physical pathway. So in terms of gymnastics, I can still, if I wanted to, I would still be able to do certain kind of skills. It remains in my body. Now it's a matter of like retraining and stuff. But it was a... um, it was, my body was only able to go so far in gymnastics, and it became about how I was doing this beautiful backbend or cartwheel or flips around the, like, my form was beautiful, my intention was beautiful, I could do one beautiful round-off back handspring tuck in the air, but it was beautifully done, my alignment, the way I approached the bars, and I realized that my skill level was just going to capped off. And it was the nuance of being a gymnast, being on the balance beam and like turning my body this way before I would do a turn, be making a gesture on the beam. That were th- Those were things that were coming into play that I was attaching myself to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, what was I going to do? Go to school? What was I going to be a professional gymna- gymnast? Or just like I was going to be a really good intermediate gymnast. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's really no. But it's so, the discipline is insane. Just like being a ballerina. I mean, the discipline is ridiculous. Like, but I, I, know. I, I loved learning about that early gymnastics training because there's, being in the studio with you now, is the way you can... Um, use your head, the weight of the head, the way you go upside down and come back up, that is something for a ballet, ballet Gravity, dancer. yeah. Yeah, and now that makes I'm sense. I'm working with Patricia yes. right now, which is unbelievable. The dream but yeah, for me. For me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love knowing that it's because it's still in your body, that you were tumbling. Weight. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's unique. That's yeah. not something... I think all of us are like, whoa, and you're just like down up, and it's like you're right on your leg. So I love learning that that is something that's still in you. There's something with, I think, gravity, and there's an enjoyment of letting go and directing and then recontrolling <coughs> my weight that I it doesn't have to be like flipping in the air. It's just like the weight of the arm. There's There's a sensation that is very enjoyable to experience. And you try and share it so clearly so that other people can do it, which I love. And I think that, thank you. I think that comes from um, spending so much time by myself and with others in a studio practice and teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about when, how you're becoming exposed to all these different techniques. Yeah. Did you gravitate to anyone in particular or were you just kind of a sponge trying to get all of it in? Yeah, I would say that I gravitated very quickly and intensely to Limon, mm-hmm. as I talked about, as I interjected and interrupted the other day. I had an amazing teacher in, in I've had amazing Sarahs in my life. She was the first Sarah, Sarah Stackhouse, who danced with Limon, and she was just, talked about weight and energy and space and suspension and you had her too, and going through space and carving and her generosity and her spirit and her love and was just overwhelming to me. And the way it felt was a way, it was a feeling I did not get when I was in this gorgeous sunlit studios in Purchase, taking a ballet class and moving across the floor with this gorgeous piano music doing a Pas de bore, jete, torjet. I did not get that feeling. I, I'm a natural mover, so I could do it and look okay, but I didn't have that feeling that I had in the modern dance of into the floor. And so that I really loved. And I equally loved Graham. Mm-hmm. And I had a beautiful teacher, a Graham, Kazuko Hirabayashi. And she was very um, intuitive and she knew that. I wasn't going to cut it as a gram dancer. <laughs> she knew I didn't have the muscularity and the the physic. She knew it just wasn't going to happen, but I had some kind of the movement. So she was fantastic to me. She was like, save your knees. Don't do all that torturous stuff. But like she was, she kind of wow. knew where I was going, that I loved the gram technique, but my body wasn't going to, wasn't going to gel right. Wow. Um 
just like Cunningham technique. I loved, 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 but I knew my body wasn't going to be able to sort of master it or enjoy it. And I had a, an, another incredible teacher named Mel Wong who was with um, Cunningham, and he was doing a lot of his own work at the time he was teaching there, and he was much more experimental and very political and socially aware and always would stop class. And in the middle of class, he would talk about Vietnam and uh, social problems and, and the caste system and racism. And I just was so fascinated. And then we would go back into the Cunningham-based, and he always wore, ke- he wore kids, the Cunningham-based material and you'd be let's just do it twice as fast so your brain was like it was an into it was a cerebral and a very physical experience but I would say more Lamone and then our group in college were very tight and we would just improvise mm-hmm. and experiment and then one day one of the seniors went to New York and got all this release technique, Trisha Brown Mm -hmm. information and came back to school. And we were like, and then the moment I stepped out of, well, I also got in touch with this woman, Nina Wiener, through alumni and through just taking workshops. So I was really interested in her work and she was a former Tharp dancer. So it was like a perfect kind of, um, confluence of mm-hmm. of energies and stuff, but yeah. Did you did you see any performance live performances? Like, what were you going to see during this time? What was I seeing? I also had ballet training. I had to take ballet training at Purchase, which was a horrible experience for the most part. Um, <laughs> until I just was like, I'm just going to take ballet with the letters and science and take men's class, where they the uh, teacher appreciated that I don't want to be a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. I'm not good. I'm just not interested. Like, it's not that I can't. Maybe I could have. I don't know. But I just don't want to. Um, yeah, Purchase has a huge performing arts mm-hmm. series. I mean, I saw Forsyth. I saw, I saw Twilight. I saw uh, all the... Um, I saw Cunningham. They brought everything there. I saw... Um, Graham, I saw Limon Company came. I saw um, more. They were doing big venue things, but we were, we're, you know, we're 45 minutes from the city, so we were always going into the city, always seeing things at DTW Dance Theater, a workshop on 19th Street, always going to small venues, always sort of being very interconnected, and then, yeah, this alumni, is, you know, is, the alumni were like feeding us and like, yeah. I definitely want to go back to this and perhaps this is a little tangential, but I thought the when you were talking about um, the discussion of politics or like social issues in yeah. in the work you were doing, I'm wondering, has that, do you consider any of your work to be political or has that made its way into your, your work, those sort of or early discussions about social issues, but through dance? Oh, I really, you know, I struggle with that and I think about that all the time. And um, I think the person who I am is not different than the dancer, choreographer, teacher. So it's, I'm not different. I don't like become a different person when I'm performing or I mean yeah if you're doing a character or something so being a socially aware conscious political feminist human being 
they're all conversations that are brought into the culture of, and I don't think people who are non-dancers and, and in the art world understand what the culture of my dance world is. It's a culture that is cultivated in the studio. It's not just come into the studio and learn these eight counts. Mm-hmm. It's getting to know these people and myself as human beings. And that includes everything from caste system, racism, all that, you know, and it's, it's, it's uncomfortable saying this as a white woman, I'm always coming up against this now. Is my work political? Um, Not overtly is, but my work, my work is also not overtly narrative. So, I remember coming into the studio with Patricia and uh, maybe Miriam. It was two of us. It was definitely you, Pat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm not of that age where it's an issue for me, but I also have two stepsons and I have lots of friends and I have lots of young students and nieces and nephews and they just... You know, the inferior, the super, the inferior court, the Supreme Court, just <laughs> as we know what happened. I said, I just feel like I, in utter disbelief, and it's not the first time in recent years that I've been in utter disbelief. And it's almost that mindset is not very good because when you're in utter disbelief means that you're not believing that something so insane will happen like that. And I just felt very like, like here's my you know mine 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 and there is a motif in there Mm -hmm. in the piece but is it political no i think it's a it's a something between the women i'm sharing in the piece um there's something about theme feminism and female and your body and being a sexual body and a female dancer that always is sort of in my work. And that is a political issue that mm-hmm. I'm making a choreographic structural choice how I want the viewer to look at me because I know the viewer is looking at me or looking at yeah. the people in my dance. So the way mm-hmm. I present a hip or a shoulder has con- intention and connotations. And then, am I saying too much? Yeah, no, okay. I, I, I would <laughs> love to add yeah, like There's something about... Um, a, a new authenticity and a new freedom that I gained from walking into the room with you where I didn't feel like I had to leave my baggage at the door. And a lot of times, especially in our professional ballet careers, and there's a responsibility to leave everything outside the door and show up and do your job. And so many times you are portraying a character and you're not necessarily given this freedom to explore, like, how do I feel as as Patricia today and you kind of have to like suppress it and put on this uh, ballerina in quotes just to say whatever yeah. that means. And I love that feeling. And that's something that maybe is very organic and natural to you and has been a part of your life. But for you to gift that to to us and allow ourselves, and especially in our time today where we are going through a social reckoning to understand that like, I, I am a female body, and how does this one gesture allow me to make a political statement for myself? The audience doesn't even need to understand it, but that's so liberating and so um, empowering that you've given us that. So 
Thank but, you. Uh, but I also thank you, Pat. But <laughs> I also think it's really important and valuable to understand, you know, I've danced so with so many choreographers, 90% of them women, mm-hmm. and I'd rather say all their name than the 10% men, but the four <laughs> men I've danced with are exquisite human beings. Um, but I've won a red Halston sexy dress with high heels and red lipstick and beautiful earrings, and I've been thrown around stage, and it's a character in a Twilight Star piece, <laughs> and I love being that character for someone else. And I feel that because my uh, my experience in the dance world I've had, I don't feel submissive to someone else's character. And I've had this, this uh, conversation be with Sarah Mearns before. She, you know, she said her mindset is different now when she walks out on stage into, say, diamonds. There's mm-hmm. part of her that you could... I'm not trying to take that... Mm-hmm. Away. I love being told what to do. <laughs> I love being in other people's work and I love being someone's muse. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, I don't feel submissive in it or that I don't have agency as mm-hmm. a, and that's what I like about this sort of duality of being a dancer and a choreographer. Mm. So we haven't even yet gotten into how you became interested in choreography. Right now, we're, we're just we're getting into you know all these influences that you have yeah. as a dancer. But when did that kind of coalesce into like a moment where you thought you wanted to express your own choreographic voice? Um, I I I took to it in college, you know, with composition, mm-hmm. compositional forms, and then most of the. I early on had training in my first company where we were given a very small piece of material, material meaning like eight counts, or I would say like a sentence of material. And we were told, go, you know, I'll see you in a week, come up with like five minutes of material, which was kind of astounding, you know, manipulating a piece of material. So I was learning how to manipulate and gathering tools, how to, uh, retrograde and um, invert and just exhaust every idea in a piece of material in like say an eight count phrase and I thought oh I have a little knack for this and this is good this is something I'm enjoying and then being a freelancer it's very um, collaborative in the sense which I would love to have a separate conversation with you about what it means to be collaborative collaborative in the sense that they want you in the room but they meaning all these choreographers and myself that the dancer's job without losing who that dancer is, is to get the choreographer to make the work they want to make. And that's a very slippery, thin piece of dental floss, but it's, (laughs) it's an amazing, it's, it's an amazing thing to give and get. And through that, I was like, oh, I have all these, you know, skills and I have all this information, this Trisha information, this Twyla, Sarah Runner, Vicky Schick, Susan Redhorse, John Jasper's blah, 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 blah. I mean, huge information. And I just was being pushed to show my own work, show my own work. And I finally said yes. So I think in earnest, I would say like 2005, I said yes to sharing a solo program with someone and then through that, I just sort of developed my kind of solo choreographic work and kept myself as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I would say I became interested 
by being interested in other people's processes. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, I also think it's really interesting that you, you choose to continue to perform, and that obviously informs the work you're making. A lot of people will be like, okay, I have to switch gears and focus to one, but for you it feels like they are inherently married. You know, like that... Yeah. You know, how, how do you take the inspiration from your own um, physical awareness into the work that you're making? Um, how do I take the physical, I only take the physical awareness of my physical experience into the, so the way I start is always with the body in the studio. Mm -hmm. It's not theoretical. It's not, I mean, I'll have a lot of images and ideas and I would love someone to be like, here, can you choreograph this? And I'd be thank yes. <laughs> I'd love a piece of music first, which is interesting with this project. But I'm always interested in the information. I already have it. It's all here. I find that the body is not abstract. Arms, legs, brain, heart, lip. It, it, there's nothing abstract about that. And that... It is profound, and that paired with my honing the skill of constantly creating and being in a space where I want to make something, it's it's not magic, it's work. It's something Mm -hmm. that you home that I'm always wanting to make something new. Mm -hmm. So like every day I'm trying to make something new. This project is different because we're like, (laughs) but normally every day I would go into the studio and I would say, we always start with something new, new material. Mm -hmm. Always, always, always. That was fun. If you don't mind me sharing. (laughs) Um, We're so programmed to review the material that we did last time so that when you show up, you're ready to show the choreographer what you did yesterday. And it was every time we went in there, you were gifted and given all this new material that your body started digesting. And then all of a sudden, if we did go back to the material we did the day before, you already had so much more information to pull from. And that is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's But it also is what I'm interested. It's like, you know, I live... I used to live on the 10th floor. I used to live on the 4th floor. Now I live on the 2nd floor. I don't think I've ever taken an, unless I'm I'm with someone in the elevator, I don't think I've ever taken an elevator ride that I haven't made an elevator dance in my entire (laughs) life. (laughs) Like by the time I push the elevator, I'm alone, the door closes, it goes to the second floor, it opens, I've made a piece of choreography. (laughs) And if my husband's in the elevator with me, he's doing a duet with me. You know, like, and so... You're yeah, it's making. a it's a um, sickness. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a gift. So, yeah. so let's get a little bit more into your process. Like, obviously, okay. you you start with the information you have stored in your body, and you know that that you're drawing from it always. But what about um, music? You brought up music already. Like, how? What do you? What, what do you find to be choreographable music, or like what particular music inspires you? Um. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, up 
the radio, talk, someone talking about a science program on the radio. Um, no, I was really, really excited to start this project. Um, having a composer and having a piece that's already made, and she's going to send it to me in March. And then July 1st came, and I was like, um, I've already been in the studio. This I was the first time I was starting with a piece of music, and I still don't have it. So I just worked in silence. Wow. And I was disappointed because I really wanted to start with a piece of music. I wasn't. Um, didn't make me nervous because mm-hmm. that's what I used to do. But I'll put on a, I'll put on any, 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 any heartbeat, um, Fiona Apple, anything, oh, any, Fiona anything, Apple anything. What, which, which album? Um, oh, anything. <laughs> um, cr- um, I, I can't even anything. <laughs> we did. We were dancing to Prince. Oh, Prince and well, Sufjan Stevens, just like uh, a playlist. But it's and we were not. Just moving. It's not, and it doesn't influence me. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but it's also because I'm so in love with that. I separate. I don't want to be influenced by that. I want to be influenced mm. by us and the musicality in the body. I mean, I spent my whole life musicality in the body and rhythm. Mm-hmm. And maintaining that mm-hmm. um, without, you know, this dancing to Bach on the steps is not music, is not the only way to be musical. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <sighs> you've also, yeah. you've also brought up imagery, which I, I want to get into a little bit. Um, you know, lots of choreographers use imagery, but it's going to be inherently, you know, through their own voice. And um, that means something different to everyone. So what, what imagery are you drawing from and how, how are you, kind of putting that through a prism and making it into steps do you want it literal like i'm just i want to i want to get um, into this <laughs> literally lit, literally speaking or figuratively speaking i will sometimes i could close my eyes or have an image even like a, a, like a lucid state dream where i see movement i see movement i will wake up and i will film myself doing a version of that movement and then go back to it and form it. Um, I have an image of yesterday watching Byron teach the hip-hop class, and I my jaw just was like, I cannot believe a human being can move like that. Mm-hmm. I just... So with that image, I will recreate the sensation I had watching him. I'll have a photo, a photo image. There's an image I have um, of these two kids like kind of like lying on a floor watching TV. I will use a, an image like that or from a Diane Arbus. Some, like, so it could be quite um, literally mm-hmm. speaking that way. Um, I'll have an image of the idea of flight. I just want flight and leg comes around and I want a collision, a separation and a melt. I know it sounds corny, but it's an energetic idea and then we'll form it. Um, I'll have a very clear idea that this needs a certain stopping tension, different texture. And then I will try to get to that image or 
I will have an image of myself dancing or improvising. And through that, I will attach myself to some kind of like physical modality. Mm -hmm. And then if I feel myself or if I don't feel myself, what I remember is the sensation of why I'm doing that movement. And then through that sensation, I connect back to the actual movement and then I can form the movement. Ooh, does that make yes. any kind yeah. of sense? It's amazing to hear yeah. your thought process. Yeah. How much of this do you share with the dancers? If I would share a lot physical information, a mm-hmm. lot of I had a lot more time. Yeah, like I would like now that I think I might have finished a sketch of the piece. Now, like I'll spend individual time with the dancers and talk about when you do this. It's a little more complicated. The movement I'm choreographing, I promise, <laughs> than this. What is this? What's going on in the joint? What's going on in space? What's going on with the with your cervical spine? Who's behind you? What's your relationship to this lavender shirt? What's all this? But you know what's going on, so that when you're doing it, you have all this information. So when you're doing, you're not thinking about my Achilles is moving forward, my shin bone is floating out in space, my liver is stretching and it's bringing, you know, going into like Chinese minute. Like it, you don't have to think about it. It's just the more information I want, all the information, give me everything you're thinking. And so one of my questions is how, when, how did you learn so much about your anatomy? Teaching. Mm-hmm. Be- being in a studio with I didn't make that. This is this has not come from me, Pat. This is I've had amazing teachers, mentors, collaborators. Being early on in a studio talking about stuff and teaching mm-hmm. because I started teaching very early on professionally in the eighties. I was very young, and you know you fake it mm-hmm. because you're you're afraid and the best way to fake it is to be really specific and really clear and pretend Mm. you know what you're talking about. (laughs) And through that, I became a better, clearer body. And then I developed this skill that I could talk about. And I was really interested, you know, you learn what you're interested in. I just, oh, bones, anatomy, organs. Oh, that makes sense to me. Ask me to speak another language. I don't retain that. Mm-hmm. So as it's happening to my body and I'm teaching, I retain, I, I, I honed this skill that I can talk about it as it's happening to me, as my pelvis is spreading and my pubic bone is dropping in my sternum, my arm is living and I'm turning to the side as I'm teaching and watching. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a, a transmitting thing. And then as I'm dancing, that's a technique class. As I'm dancing, I'm not thinking of right. like, oh, where my bridge in my nose is hanging down, like my sits bones, my heels are moving back and there's space in my jaw and the back of my neck is going down. I'm working a spiral and my, my I'm spreading this. Like, like that's technique. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing when you're mm-hmm. turning out and you're doing a brush de gaze and a passe, but it you don't have to think about it anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort but of- But it adds a, a layer of- Ver- of clarity when yeah. in your choreography that is yeah. so specific, yeah. especially when it's your your body doing it. So even though yeah. you're not thinking about it, it it looks like nothing anyone is doing. Well, it's different to move from a superficial muscle mm-hmm. like the outside quadricep, or to move from a more a tinier muscle. It's very different to work from a skeletal body, which you're really just thinking about the bones. You are using muscles. And it's different to think about 
moving like a qigong principle from your organs, like your heart and your pericardium and your liver. It all has weight and properties. And then you have skin and blood and you have fascia, which is that stuff on like a chicken, right? Before the muscle. Like if you're, if you're thinking of, you know, if anybody gets any massage therapy, it's, it's different when somebody's massaging your muscle or you go to a chiropractor and it's a bony adjustment or you do that fascia stuff. Mm-hmm. You, that's your body has all these textures and qualities, how you move your joints. Is it a muscular action or is it a, am I asking you to move your organs or your, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so yeah, interesting. It's amazing. That's so weird. I mean, I think this, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see the work now that I have well, all this in my, my head. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about the work. Um, you've been working, since, you said, since March. No, you... I've been working since March. Well, you, no, that's been... not true because I had surgery, so I haven't been working. Okay. I've been thinking about the this piece and thinking, oh, I'm going to get this score. We started in New York just grabbing each other, five of us, four of us, because I never had Melissa till I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I think probably we all work maybe four or five times for maybe an hour to very like Patricia would come in, she would leave, Lauren would come in for half an hour. It was very like come and go. Come and go. Never wanting to leave, but having to Oh, just yeah. Just like <laughs> I just like spewing, 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 spewing. So at least when we got here, we weren't starting from zero. <laughs> zero. Which you're never starting from zero with this kind of dancer and that they want to they're so present. But still, you want to share a different information set. Right. And I, sorry, and I want them, you know, I'm giving, I want them to take me on because I'm interested in what I do with this. But there's a point where I'm like, okay, now I want you. I need you so I can see you for you. Like, I'm interested in what they know and what they can do. Right. So was that something that you would say is kind of like a central idea behind the work? Or do you have other things that you were trying to, to put forth? Honestly, out of absolute fear and a lack of time, because I could literally spend a month deciding if I want to do this or I want to do this. <laughs> is it this or is it this? I... I wanted to just get something out and not burden the process and the experience by, I have to make a piece, I have to make a piece, I have to make a piece. So I'm making a uh, a movement poem, mm-hmm. and within the movement poem, I see three separate pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a cacophony of these women. Well, Jody, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, so that much. Was so it's fabulous. The best. We can't wait to see your new work. We love you, Jody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.